Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Thanks, Dan. Um, so Psalm 133 is a psalm of King David. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking it's quite short. There's probably a bit too much about beards and oil in it, and maybe a bit of mountains, but not much else. Uh, but I hope what we're going to see is, is brilliant uh, and is really going to affect how we live our lives as Christians. And certainly in, in church here too, right? Because God's people living in unity, it, it's building his kingdom for eternity. That's what it's all about. And we're going to try and look at three things as we do that. And we're going to ask the what, why, and how questions. Uh, what is unity? Why is unity so good? And how do we live in unity? The what, why, and how of unity. And we're going to try and help each other to do that. So uh, that's it. God's people living in unity it is building his kingdom for eternity. Now, I don't know what else you've heard this week, but, but I'm pretty excited about what that might mean for us. Uh, and, and that's our prayer this morning, that you leave really clear on how good that is. Uh, so firstly then, what is unity? What is unity? Um, now, Psalm 133 was written by King David, and it is quite helpful to know roughly, roughly when it was written. Now, we've got to, again, need a bit of help here, but this is a Bible timeline. And so what we've got is we've got the creation, Adam and Eve over here, and then we've got Abraham. There's like the kingdoms in the Bible history. There's Jesus being born, Jesus' death and resurrection, and right over here on the end, that is when God's going to make everything new again. New creation, God coming and dwelling with his people. Like that, 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 that's, that's a good place, that's a good thing. Right. Now, can you all clap? Okay, like, so that was poor. Really poor. So can you just clap? Like, maybe, yeah, okay, okay. So, so here's what we're going to do. Now, not everyone claps, and that's okay, but I'm just warning you, things are going to get worse if you don't participate. There's oil to be poured on someone's head this morning. Just a little uh, warning. Okay, so um, I'm going to walk along the Bible timeline, and you tell me, you can start clapping when you think Psalm 133 was written, okay? So that, that, that's dead easy, isn't it? So no one's clapping now. I'm nowhere near the timeline. That's good. You understand the rules. Okay, here we go. So I'm walking along. Start clapping when you think Psalm 133. And 33. Oh, okay, okay. Let's, let's see if you're right. Yes, yeah, Psalm 133. It's written by King David at a time when he's the king and, and reigning over the people of Israel. Uh, now, that's quite important to remember because when you read things, to understand the context in which it's done. But do you know what? Psalm 133, as most of the Bible does, it also points and looks ahead to some bigger things as well. So I think what we're going to see in Psalm 133 is that it's looking to something that Jesus does for us on the cross. And, and it's also looking forward as well to what it's going to be like at the end when God comes and makes all things new. And, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Um, but this is, this is what's going on in Psalm 133. Uh, at the time when King David is on the throne, people are going to go up, the people of Israel, to Jerusalem at various points during the year and they'd go and celebrate together 
what God had done for them and, and remind each other of all the good things. And so they'd set off from their homes and they'd be on their way to Jerusalem. And as they did that, Psalm 133 is one of those songs they would be singing. It's a bit like, uh, you must do like uh, songs as you go on big car journeys. You must do that. Playlists. It's a bit like Psalm 133 is one of the playlist songs they sing as they get near Jerusalem. In fact, it says they're at Jerusalem. And so there they all are. They set off and they're on the journey to Zion. That's, that's God's kingdom. That's where they're going. And this is what's happening in Psalm 133. And when they get there, King David, imagine him looking out and seeing all of God's people in God's city, right? With coming to worship around God at the centre of it, remembering what God's done for them. Look at verse 1, because this is what he writes about it as he looks out and sees this happening. Psalm 133, verse 1. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is good and pleasant. Uh, now, I love games, right? And one of my favourite games is the good or pleasant game. The good or pleasant game. And so you're going to help me with some things about what is good. Everyone's heard the good and pleasant game, surely? Rich Grindy told me it was one of his favourites too. So he's either a liar or, or I don't want to think of the rest. Oh, anyway, good and pleasant. I'm going to show you some pictures. You've got to decide whether it is a good thing or a pleasant thing. It's more difficult than you might think. Now, if something's good, you've got to lean over this way. I love leaning games. You lean. If it's pleasant, you've got to lean over that way. And if it's good and pleasant, just stay in the middle. That's okay, isn't it? Is it good or pleasant? First one. A Cinnabon cinnamon swirl. Is it good or is it pleasant? So, good. And, and listen, I used to be a 32-inch waist before I started eating these. So again, is it good for you or is it pleasant? Pleasant like nice. So again, just, just a reminder, there's oil to be poured on people's heads if you don't participate. So, is, is it good, lean that way, or is it pleasant? What do you reckon? There's a bit of a mix. Yeah, so I'm going to be honest. I, I think it is pleasant, which means it's another word for nice. It's another word for nice. I, I don't think it's that good for you, but it's definitely pleasant. See what I mean? It's difficult. The rules are tricky. Yeah, is it good or is it pleasant? Okay, what about this? What about this? Ah, the dentist. Is it good for you? Or is, it, or is it pleasant? Dentist, yeah, no doubt. The, the dentist, it's not something I look forward to. Gemma does, I disagree with you, Gemma, profusely. It's not pleasant. Yeah, the, it, it, it's definitely good for you, but I, I don't think it's always pleasant. And stickers, when you've been good, just don't, they're not worth it, are they? They're just not worth it. Uh, right, but look at this, David looks out all these people together, God's people, in God's place, together, reminding each other what God has done. And verse 1 he said, hey, this is good and pleasant. This is good and pleasant. And that's kind of what unity is. Unity is in this psalm. It's when God's people come together, one mind, one purpose. When you look at what the word means, it does mean it's an all-togetherness, a community of one mind. And they've come to worship and celebrate what God has done for them all together. And David looks at it and he's like, behold, stop and look. Psalm 103 verse 1. This is good. 
Fantastic. So that is what unity is. Now the next part, we've done the what is unity. Now the why. Why is unity so good? And to help us understand why unity is so good, King David gives us two pictures. And the pictures are of oil and mountains. Now, when I first read this, I thought this was a bit weird because I don't use these pictures very much, to be honest. But for people in King David's time, they would have known what this meant. Uh, just look at verse 2. Verse 2. Uh, Behold, he says, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. So why is oil a picture of unity? Like when I think of oil, that is what I think of. And that does not make me think it's good. And it's certainly not nice. But, but King David is using and a thinking of a different oil. A much, much, much better oil. Now, for health and safety reasons, uh, I need someone to help me here. Um, but um, I, I need to ask somebody who I'm responsible for rather than somebody else. Just in case it all goes horribly wrong. So uh, Jesse is going to come and he's going to come and help me here. So, um, Jesse, you come up. Now, here's what I want you to imagine, right? I want you to imagine that we are the people of God in David's time. That's what you've got to think now, yeah? So you're in Jerusalem. Here's Jesse. I'm related if you don't know that. That's why I'm allowed to do this to him. No stress. No stress. Now, now here he is. I'm going to give him his priestly garments because Jesse's going to be uh, like Aaron. Okay, so this is Aaron's priestly garments. Straight out of the shower this morning. Apologies for that. Okay, so there's that. Okay. Uh, now, Aaron's job was to represent us before God because we've had a nightmare of a week, right? We've been rescued out of Egypt, but then we've just ignored God like we do uh, and gone our own way. And God's holy and perfect. And so you know that there's no way that you can be with God. And so Aaron's special job is to represent all of us before God. That's his job. That's what he's going to do. And one of the things that uh, he does to show that he's the representative is he gets oil poured on him. Right? Uh, now, oil in the Old Testament is a picture of, really, God being with earth. So, like, you see that all over. When God does something, someone maybe pours some oil out and, hey, yeah, because this is where God was. It's a picture of that is what's going on. So here we go. I want you to imagine this is what is... Oh. I'm really sorry in advance for this. Okay, so the first thing, there is some precious oil. This is precious anointing oil, right? And it looks really cool. There's also a bit of water just to keep it out of his eyes. So the first thing he does is, it's like, imagine watching this. And as it gets poured on him, like that, and you see it running down, big beard. Big beard. <laughs> All over him. All over him. And then, so you see that and you're like, wow, this is a picture of God being here. This is how God's going to be able to dwell with us. And then the smell, so you don't just see it, but, but you smell. I'm not putting this on his head because it will reek. But imagine this. Now, I can tell you, I, I carried this here this morning and I stink of it already. But it, 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 this would have been lovely. And, and, and as Aaron's getting anointed like this and it's dripping all down of him, you would be going... This is good. This is good. It's good because this is the sign that God is here with us. He's, he's able to dwell with us. And then you'd smell it. And you probably will start smelling Jesse in a little bit. But you'd see it and you smell it. And all the stinky sin that has ruined you all week, that you know keeps you from God, 
Well, well, you see the picture of what Aaron's going to do for you, and you know that it is okay between you and God. That is what is going on. You know when you walk into Boots at Christmas time, and they're spraying you with all sorts of stuff, and it just smells amazing? That is kind of what is going on when David says it is like the oil running down the beard. It is good and pleasant. It's a great picture of God coming and dealing with our sin. Jesse, thanks, mate. You want to sit down? Well done. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So that is why unity is so good. Um, it is that picture of what God has done, and you as people would know that God has dealt with your sin. That is, that is really, really good. I don't know if you noticed as well, but there's a repetition of a word in verse 2, isn't there? And, it, and the word is down, 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 down. So you see it. It's like precious oil on the head. It runs down on the beard. It, it runs down on the collar. Uh, we'll see it again a little bit later in verse 3 too. There's this idea that all of this blessing, all of this goodness, it is coming from God down to us. That's, that's the picture of, of what is going on. Okay, the other picture is like mountains, he says. The other picture is like mountains. Now look, he gives two mountains. Have a look at um, the, the verse as well. He says, verse 3, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the dew of Hermon falling on Mount Zion. So here we go. This is a real Google print, real places. Mount Hermon at the top, Mount Zion at the bottom. It would take you five and a half hours to drive between the two mountains, according to Google, and the traffic conditions this morning. That's what it's going to be. Right. But there they are. There's a picture of Hermon. It is a big mountain. Snow on the top. Then you've got little Mount Zion at the bottom. Dry and dusty. Just read again verse 3. It is like the dew of Hermon which falls on the mountains of Zion. Big, dewy, snowy Hermon falling on dry, dusty Zion. I think... I think that's the point. Uh, it's impossible. The, the dew of Hermon is never going to fall on Mount Zion. But King David writes and says, look, when people live together, in, when God's people live together in unity, it is like all that goodness on Mount Hermon that brings refreshment and life. Well, that's getting divvied up across the whole country. That's what it's like. That's a picture. All of the different gifts and skills getting shared out as unity sets in with God's people. And David says, when God's people dwell in unity, you get people from all different backgrounds, people like the big mountains, and people who are different. So people from different backgrounds, different roles, different hierarchies, different skill sets, different jobs. But they all come together in unity. And that's why David thinks unity is brilliant. It's good and precious. It's like oil, and it's like mountains. And it's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, listen, for us, if you're a Christian this morning, uh, a born-again believer, then you are going to know something of how great and how brilliant David feels uh, when you see what happens to Aaron. And that's because we know that Jesus has done that role for us. So in the same way uh, Aaron was a picture of sins being dealt with, and he would go and do that time and time again, well, Jesus does it once for us. He doesn't pay with the blood of bulls and goats, as the writer to the Hebrews says, but he goes once 
And by his death on the cross, he deals with all our sin, all the stuff that keeps us away from God, that stops God dwelling with us, and he puts away with it. David, when he thinks about Aaron, he has a picture of what God is doing with sin, right? We know the person who has dealt with sin once and for all. Like, how much better is that? It's brilliant. I think the application for us, if we get what is going on in Psalm 133, or one of the things we should do, is you should leave this morning super thankful. You should be going, wow, God, you have dealt with the sin in my life so that I can dwell with you and dwell with each other as well. I think that's one of the right responses for Psalm 133, to be thankful, to be filled with awe at what God has done for us. The other thing is, um, and this is, I, I think, really helpful too, is the fact that we're all saved and born again by Jesus. We haven't done anything ourselves, and so it's like a great leveller in church. Uh, when Paul writes to uh, the church in Colossae, he says, listen guys, there's, there's no Greek people, there's no Jewish people, circumcised, uncircumcised. You're all just in Christ. We're all together. In our language, I think we would say, and this is the Mount Hermon to the Mount Zion thing, everyone's the same in church, right? It's like you could say, you can have people from Manchester. You can have people from dirty Leeds in church. It doesn't matter. You can even have the Welsh in church. I'm Welsh, which is why you can say that. Right? But, but it should be people from all over the world in church. That's the unity that we see. And David looks out over the people in Jerusalem, all gathering from all different parts of the country, and he's like, wow, this is great. This is unity. It's good and it's pleasant. Um, let me just pause there for a moment, because I don't know if, well, I'm not going to presume that everyone's a believer here this morning, but if you are not a Christian, uh, this is really good for you to think about. Uh, you know, why we sing about what Jesus has done for us is because we really get it. Uh, we get it that without what Jesus has done, we are just dead in the water. There is no way we can dwell together properly, and there's no way we can dwell with God. But Jesus has paid it all. He's made it possible for us to live with God forever. And that is the best news in the world. He's made it possible that we relate well to each other as well. And we're going to see a bit more about that in just a moment. But if you want to know more about that, please come talk to anyone in this church and they'll be really happy to talk to you about how great it is to know Jesus as our Lord and Saviour. Um, well, we're going to pause there and we're going to sing uh, about what Jesus has done for us as well. So you could just maybe stand and sing if you're able to do that. What a friend we have in Jesus. Great stuff. Uh, grab a seat. So the last thing we're going to look at, we've looked at the what is unity, the why unity is good. We're going to look at how do we do it now? How do we do it? And, and hopefully what you've seen is that God's people living in unity is, is great. It reflects that it's good between us and God as individuals, but also brings us all together as well so we relate well to each other. Just, just have a look down, if you will, at verse 3. The last part of verse 3 of Psalm 133. Because David writes, and it flows on from verse 1 really, that where God's people dwell in unity, the second part of verse 3, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I think what this means is that when we are living in this way, when God's people are living in unity, it is a picture of eternity. It is a picture of what it's going to be like when God comes and makes it all new again. 
He's going to be reigning over a perfect creation again. Uh, and God's people worshipping him with him at the centre as well. Relating well with each other too as we do that. And I don't know about you, but I would love to see more of that in church. I'd love to see more of that in my life as well. Um, I think if you remember what it's like in Acts chapter 4, that's probably a great picture where the church are all together. They are gathering around what the Bible says. They are praying together. They're singing songs. They're sharing what they've got. There is unity. It is super attractive. The people who see it are like, wow, what is going on there? That is different. And so maybe we need to ask, how do we live like that? Or how do we pursue that even more in church today? Uh, let, let me just say really clearly, I know that things are not going to be perfect in church. Until we get to glory, until Jesus comes back and makes it all new again, there's always going to be tricky trials and things like that. But you know what? The Bible tells us how to deal with that as well. And it's really good. Uh, the Bible has a real hope and expectation that we do pursue that unified living, right? And, and the unity in the Bible is not as just smiling at each other and pretending everything's okay. It's not that while we sing and pray. It's not that. So you can be relaxed. That's good news, isn't it? Because I don't want to be fake when we gather. It's not just that we are nodding dogs and, and, and never disagree with each other either. The Bible's really honest about what it's going to be like, and I'm going to show you some of that in a minute. It's not even about organising tons of stuff that we do together, as if we can generate this unity ourselves, albeit it's really good to spend time together. But biblical unity it is so, so, so much better than that. Uh, do you know what? If we just spend loads of time together, we're pretty much like a social club. That's what we pretty much become. Um, but God has given us everything we need, and I'm going to try and show you that now in a really silly way. So does anyone here think they're very, very, very strong? Very strong. Like, and I mean, like muscles on muscles on muscles type strong. Like, does anyone feel like they're good at throwing? I'm good, like, I'll have to choose someone too. So, and, and Ian Brew's on my list, just to <laughs> warn him. Oh, oh, throwing what? Okay, well, well, I can't tell you that. That would ruin it. So you, you've got to come and, uh, but you need to be, like, super strong. Anyone fancy having to go with this? Here's, here's what you've got to do. See the prop here, already prepared. It's like Blue Peter. So I need you to run through this tent. No, no, I don't. I don't. Okay. So what I want you to do is I want you to throw something at that and try and get it to stick. Anyone fancy doing that? Josh! Yes, man, come on. Come and have a go. Love it. Give Josh a round of applause. Like that's a high five, Josh. There you go. Tell you what, that was good enough. Can't beat a volunteer, can you? Okay, so Josh, here's some, here's some toilet paper. It's clean, don't worry. Okay, I want you to throw that as hard as you can and get it to stick on the table. So come on, Josh. Oh, hey, but that, that, but that was a good try. That was really good. Okay. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You can't clap failure. <laughs> tell you what, Josh, come on, you can do better than that, mate. All right, I'll do it dead tight like that. Does anyone else want to have a go? Oof, okay. Oh, I've got Tom Grin. Yeah, Tom, get up. Hang on, Josh, you can stay there. You can stay there because you might be able to have a little... Tom, get up here, will you? Okay, no one else warming up their arms? No? Okay, Tom, here you go. I'll tell you what, you can keep that. You can keep that. That can be yours. It's a little memento today. That, that's a 
You're going to need it in a second, Josh. Okay, here we go. Right, hard as you can, try and get it to stick. We want to see some unity going on, don't we? That's, this, is the, this is a very, very tenuous thing. Okay, Oof, okay, come on, let's, let's try it again. Let's try and squash it all up, tight as you can. Come on, Tom. I mean, today. <laughs> oh, <laughs> go and get it. Okay, so listen, the thing is, it'll never work, right? Josh, stay here, stay here. So, so what we need is we need some help, okay? So I'm going to, it's still the paper, but it's going to be a bit different. Here we go. So when you all fall over afterwards and slip and, okay, now Josh, okay, I want you to, I think you can probably, as hard as you can, oh. My illustration is going very, very badly at the moment. <laughs> okay. Okay, Josh, have another go, have another go. Add as you can. Yes! Yes! Josh, well done, man. Okay, go and sit down, go and sit well done. Okay, Tom, come on, come on, come on. Phew. It was all going horribly wrong. <laughs> okay, come on, Tom. You've seen it done now, so this is pure stress. Pure stress. Hard as you can. Yes, okay. Brilliant. Brilliant. So don't go flying on this floor later. We'll have to clean it up. Okay. Let me just move that out of the way. Like, it is impossible to get unity by just trying stuff on our own. That, that, that's the kind of point of that little example, right? But all through the New Testament, uh, the authors, they tell us that there's something different about you if you're a born-again believer. I'm going to just do a bit of a whistle-stop tour. And this is it, right? The, the clue already, I'll tell you the answer. But you've been born again by God's Spirit. Like, I, I have just reflected this week. I, I just, that blows my mind. That blows my mind. But here we go. Paul writes to a church in Corinth, and he says, and the church is having a nightmare, a nightmare. And he says to them, uh, you're not really behaving well because don't you know that you are God's temple and God is living in you? So behave properly is what he's saying because God is living in you. Well, wow, okay. Uh, Ephesians, he writes to them and he says, look, you're no longer strangers and aliens apart from God, but you're fellow citizens and saints. You're members of God's household. Get this, you're, you're being built together into a holy temple is what he says to them. A dwelling place for the Spirit of God. Or dwelling place for God by the Spirit. It, Peter writes and says, we're being built up into this holy priesthood. A bit like people who are set apart so we can proclaim how good God is. But it's all done by the Spirit at work in us. Not in ourself. You see, the Holy Spirit changes everything. He changes everything. He reminds us what Jesus has done. He, he makes Jesus look brilliant and bigger and better to us in everything he does. Uh, just like that paper, when it's soaked, it becomes really sticky and you can do something else with it. Well, as born-again believers, and this is the encouragement today, it's not something that you have to do. You don't have to go and work harder or do those things, but it's God at work. He's already done the work in you. It's just remembering that and applying what he's like to you. Listen to this. Paul writes to the church in Colossae and he says this about who they are. And this is really important. He reminds them of who they are first. He says this. Colossians chapter 3. 
If you are raised with Christ, if you've been born again, then set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. He says, put on then, as God's chosen ones, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience. Bear with one another, he says. If one has a complaint, forgive each other. And how do you do that? He says, because remember, first of all, that God has forgiven you so, so much more. Put on love, he says, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. That's a nice picture, isn't it? People living in perfect harmony. That's something I want to aspire to. I, I hope we do. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and be thankful. Yeah, that is a picture of unity. If, if you notice, it, it doesn't expect that everything's perfect. It doesn't expect that we never disagree or annoy each other or do things differently. But by keeping Jesus central, remembering what he has done for us, remembering that we're born again, that his spirit lives in us, well, that allows us to forgive, to remember that it's his work in us that is enabling us to do that. It would be otherwise impossible to be kind and to disagree in love. But I think that's just a lovely, lovely picture of what it can be like to dwell in unity. And it's because of what God has done already for us. Uh, I've been thinking about how to apply this and, um, as, as, a, as a finish. And, um, you know, it would be easy to go, I, I just want to go and get better at being patient with you guys or you guys with me or we want to go and maybe, maybe take five minutes before having to go with somebody and remember who we are. Uh, but I, I think it's a bit more just me looking at what God has done for me in the first place. So let me just give you a few things that I think might be the outworking of this for us. I think, and this is a good thing we do together, we can pray for unity. Pray for unity as a church. Pray that there's a togetherness. That actually our being together, not that we agree with everything, by the way, but that we genuinely love and care for each other and, and commit to walk alongside each other and to speak the Bible to each other and to pray for one another. Let's pray for that. That is something that I think the Spirit will do for us as we do that. It's something that we want to pursue as a church. So let's do that. Let's pray for unity. I want you to remember what Jesus has done for you already. Like in the nicest way possible, uh, it's not about you. It is about who you already are in the gospel. And I mean that really nicely. It is Jesus has already made you somebody very different than you were originally. You're born again by his spirit. And that is great. It'd be good, wouldn't it, that we pray that we might be like that picture in Colossians. People who, because we are remembering that Jesus has done it all, that we actually build each other up. Build each other up. Not just in this world, but we know that we're building each other up for spending eternity with each other too. Because we're in Christ. The last thing is this. I think we should be really thankful. I honestly think when you read Psalm 133... That picture of unity, us with God, because of what he's done for us, and equally with each other. We should leave this morning super thankful that it is a great picture. I don't think you see this anywhere else. You don't see unity like this anywhere else. Be really thankful that we get to live in this world and build each other up in preparation for eternity. Super encouraging. Well, let me pray for us, and then we can sing.
together. Here's a prayer that Jesus uh, said. Um, and I'm going to read this and then I'm going to pray. Jesus is praying to his heavenly father as he says this. I do not ask for these only, as in his, his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, father, are in me and I in you that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, Lord Jesus, that is a remarkable prayer, a remarkable picture that we get to dwell in unity together here, but also with you as well. Uh, that is, it is mind-blowing, but it is brilliant. Lord, it's clear that you have brought us together as a church. You bring us all as different people, different backgrounds, different skill sets, different ideas. But you bring us together so that we can glorify you and point other people to you and remind each other of what you have done for us. Lord, our prayer is that like that picture in Psalm 133, that we dwell together in unity, knowing that we have been first forgiven by you of all our sin and equally that you have brought us together as well to be a unified group who are going to walk and disciple and encourage each other, pointing each other to the gospel and pointing each other to what Jesus has done for us. And so Lord, we simply ask for that, that we might be a church that is unified around these brilliant things, that you might help us to speak well to each other, to even disagree well, to be caring and compassionate hearted towards one another as we first remember that you've forgiven us everything. Well, what a brilliant picture that is. And Lord, we pray that you might work that out in this place as well for your glory and our good. Amen.